There are some hot topics in play for this year's governor's race. Abortion, Michigan's economy, our school system. But one thing that has not received very much attention so far is environmental policy. And this is Michigan, home to one-fifth of the world's fresh water. Decisions about how we interact with our environment have been pretty central to our communities and to our politics. It may come as no surprise that there are some big differences between the Democratic incumbent in this year's governor's race, Gretchen Whitmer, and the Republican challenging this year, Tudor Dixon. So I think you have one candidate who would be more willing to enforce and another candidate who is saying government should step out of this arena to some extent. Today, we're going to talk about what's at stake for environmental policy in the governor's race. And maybe we can figure out some things about where each candidate stands. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Kelly House, the environment reporter for Bridge, Michigan, recently took a deep dive into the candidates' takes on environmental policy. One of the things that she noticed is that back in 2018, the year of the last governor's election, environmental policy was a huge part of the race. She talked to us about what she sees going on. I think it was because it was more of a present, tangible you know, it was still in crisis mode. You know, Flint, um, that was still very much a, a present issue. PFAS, the extent of PFAS contamination was becoming um, more well-known and it was very scary. You know, there were there were sort of some present issues um, ongoing that made it a really pressing topic. Those issues haven't gone away, though, I would like to first say. But They've become maybe less immediate in people's minds. And I think the big thing that changed between 2018 and now is, you know, the Roe versus Wade decision came down that has made, particularly in states like Michigan, where um, abortion access is not a settled issue, you know, that sort of vaunted that to the front of the line in terms of uh, what candidates are talking about. The COVID pandemic and the government's handling of that really divided people in the state. Um, and then these conflicts over race and sexuality and gender identity have really sort of taken up a lot of the space in the room. So it just seems like um, environmental issues and, you know, just in general, the sort of more complex nuts and bolts issues that affect our lives, but maybe don't get as much splashy attention in the day-to-day, they tend to fall, you know, behind uh, those attention headline-grabbing things. And I think that's what's happened here. There is one issue that that recently uh, has has gotten a fair amount of light, and that's Enbridge's Line 5. It's a pipeline that starts in Canada and cuts through most of Michigan, including the lake bed for the Straits of Mackinac, before returning to Canada. Can you lay out for us where Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon stand on Line 5? And I guess really how much power a, a governor has in what is essentially an international uh, an international dispute. Yeah, that's the one issue I would say in this campaign season where it's, you know, in in researching and writing this article, it was very easy to capture the candidates' positions. Uh, You know, neither of their websites say much about their policy on on many environmental issues. But the one thing that's clear, you know, we know from Whitmer's time in office, she has ordered Enbridge to shut down Line 5. So she's made her opinion clear. Uh, that she believes 
the current pipelines that sit at the bottom of the straits need to be immediately shut down. Dixon wants them to stay open. So she has really you know, taken a stance on that. She's criticized um, Whitmer in the debates saying, you know, calling it political grandstanding, the quest to shut them down, and arguing that shutting down the existing pipelines before a tunnel is built would be economically damaging to Michiganders who rely on that fuel. The reality is, <laughs> um, for now, that the fate of the existing pipeline is largely out of the governor's hands. There's an ongoing court case that is pending in federal court, and there are also negotiations happening between the U.S. government and Canada over the fate of that pipeline. So that's probably where the decision is going to stand. And in many ways, the attorney general's race will have more bearing over Michigan's posture in court and whether those lawsuits continue than whoever is sitting in the governor's office come January. Sure. And that's incumbent Democrat Dana Nessel and Republican challenger Matt DiPerno. Uh, you note also, this is, and this is, again, so astonishing, uh, given the context and recent Michigan history, that that water consistently topping Michigander's concerns doesn't even get mentioned, except including the fact that Michigan needs to spend a billion dollars a year to maintain and safeguard our water infrastructure. What have you been able to find out about where the candidates do stand on this? Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that that billion dollar estimate was put out in 2016. That number, if it, if the numbers were run now, would almost certainly be significantly higher. But where the candidates stand, you know, Governor Whitmer um, did work with the legislature to put $1.7 billion toward water as part of a spending deal that was reached earlier this year, and has said that she wants to work with the legislature to find some source of permanent funding to tackle this issue consistently and get closer to that billion dollars annually. Dixon has not been extremely detailed on her point of view, but has said she favors public-private partnerships to fund infrastructure. Um, I asked her campaign to expand on what that might look like and what that means. They didn't respond. So I'm not quite sure beyond that what her plan would be, but she has acknowledged that Michigan's infrastructure needs are an issue. Just to acknowledge the weirdness, I mean, this is an election year when voters are being asked to to look at a candidate for, you know, for a major party who does not have legislative experience. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to sort of figure out where Tudor Dixon might fall within the the continuum of known Republican behaviors, I guess? I don't think you're going to get much information by reviewing her website. Uh, I think the same is true for for Whitmer or listening to the debates. You know, I think news coverage strives to do that. I, I spoke with uh, Governor Whitmer and was not able to speak with Tudor Dixon, but did her campaign answered a series of questions to me. So, you know, look for reputable journalism outlets that have probed these issues and quizzed the candidates on these issues. I think that's going to be your best bet. But I think there are some generalities that you can see coming through from each candidate's platform that influence 
you know, how they would behave toward any number of, of government regulatory issues. And I think in generally, Whitmer um, has shown a willingness and a desire to focus more on regulations. You know, she, uh, her administration has created new water quality standards, for instance, um, has has started to um, create new standards for farm runoff um, and strengthen sort of the way the state responds to issues in that arena. Dixon, on the other hand, has said that in general, she wants to cut 40% of state regulations. That's not a you know an environment specific stance, but environment regulations are are clearly part of that. Um, and she has said that in general, she believes that industry, farmers, etc., are better left to their own devices, um, and that government has been hostile to industry when it comes to environmental regulations. We need to take a break. More with Kelly in just a moment. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Traditionally, one way that Michiganders have have gained uh, protections from harmful pollution is is through lawsuits. Generally speaking, conservatives argue that protecting citizens through laws is bad for business. Have you have you been able to tell whether Tudor Dixon fits into that mold? Yes, I think she does. She has said when it comes to pollution regulations that she would would like to see some of those loosened or or done away with. And then in the climate space, you know, I had asked each candidate, what's what's your position on climate change? What do you think the government's response should be? Tudor Dixon, you know, said essentially that the government should not get involved. Her concern is that regulating the climate would sort of put the U.S. at a disadvantage to countries that are not taking the same steps to address climate change through, for instance, um, requiring faster transition by utilities and automakers. You know, Kelly, you mentioned PFAS pollution uh, as something that was very much an, an emerging part of Michigan's policy process back in 2018, the last time we voted for governor here. What are some ways that the next governor might have some agency or some important work to do with respect to toxic substances, be they PFAS or green ooze? I think there are a number of of possibilities there. One, you know, one thing you hear from the regulators themselves, and that I actually heard from um, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, an industry group, was, you know, at times there just aren't enough staff within the state regulatory agencies to expediently address these issues. 
So, you know, they have some control over how staff resources are used. Uh, Michigan, a couple of years ago, enacted new PFAS standards. So the new, you know, whoever's in office will be tasked with deciding how we approach enforcement um, and deciding how and whether to spend money to help local governments who are really on the front lines of this issue respond. So, you know, you've heard a lot from local governments about water treatment systems that are not really equipped to deal with PFAS and the need for financial assistance um, from the state, you know, to, to cover that gap. You're now seeing concern from wastewater treatment plants um, who often sell or give their wastewater sludge to farmers to spread on fields. Well, in many cases, farmers don't want to take that anymore because it's a liability. You know, they don't want to be taking on tainted biosolids and then uh, polluting their crops. So whoever takes office, I think will they'll be striking a tone more than anything. And of course, I think um, there are regulatory gaps that could be filled or could be left open. Something that that if if you're around long enough, you start to notice is that state agencies do monitor some Michigan species for either pollution or other kinds of hazards to their health. I mean, we know that habitat loss is, is kind of a consistent issue, but they tend to only they tend to focus their very limited time and energy on on game species or species that might have, you know, might have some kind of commercial interest to them, unless a big problem comes up. You know, that, that has obvious implications in sort of how we understand fish populations and other animal species as well as plants. Is either candidate, that you can tell, does either candidate talk very much about how we know what we know about the health of Michigan's environment? No, I would say just in general, neither candidate is talking about environmental issues, except in, for the most part, you know, framing it as it relates to the economy. So, you know, there there is some discussion of, for instance, the auto industry transition to electric cars, but that conversation is not helping or happening in the context of addressing climate change. It's happening in the context of what does Michigan need to do to protect its auto industry jobs? There's no conversation that I have heard around species conservation and certainly not around non-game species. And I think that gets to the fact that those issues just, you know, on a day-to-day basis, they fly under the radar. The average person is not really thinking about um, the fate of the Kirtland's warbler as a major campaign issue for them. Although they are certainly important issues for our lives and for, you know, our state. Do you think that we lose something when the candidates are using, you know, a pretty different language and a pretty different frame on these issues than than the people who are who are in the know, who are involved in the science on this are speaking? I think so. Rarely are environmental and public health issues cut and dry issues where, you know, the resp- answer is clear, the issue is clear. You know, these are really nuanced topics. And so I think, A, when they're not spoken about at all, of course, that's a disservice to, you know, voters who care about these issues. But B, I think on the campaign trail, the point is to differentiate yourself from your opponent as much as possible. And that leads to 
not really having nuanced conversations about how to address these really complicated issues. So I do think a lot is lost. You know, while these issues are not the hot button issues of the day, they're huge issues in terms of how they affect Michiganders' lives. I mean, we have seen increasingly dire predictions <laughs> for the consequences to humanity if we do not uh, very quickly move away from fossil fuels. You know, and as you said at the outset, we're surrounded by fresh water and yet still have huge contamination and access issues that affect many people in the state. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. If you're ready for more listens, maybe some more election coverage, you can find full Stateside shows at michiganradio.org. It might help you if you're filling out a ballot at home this year. Today's episode was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the Stateside Podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.